Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Ecom Hot Seat. Today we have Daniel and Anne from Budai Media. These guys are e-commerce experts. They work with brands doing multi-six, seven, and even eight figures. Um, so it's a real pleasure to have you guys on. You guys want to start by just uh, introducing yourselves? Yeah, yeah. Thank you for the for the nice uh, short intro. And basically, my name is Daniel Budai. I'm the founder of Budai Media. And uh, at the moment, we manage more than uh, 30 e-commerce clients with uh, more than 20 people from all over the world. And we try to, uh, and we try to help them grow with uh, such tools as email marketing, website conversion optimization, and even more. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. My name is Anne Njuguna. I'm the CRO specialist and data analyst for at Budai Media. So I have six years experience in this field. Awesome. Yeah, I'm really, really excited to discuss this topic because I think a lot of people in e-commerce get so sucked into traffic, creatives, different platforms. But, you know, one of the fundamental things of e-commerce is actually your website, is actually your conversion process because ultimately you can have all the traffic in the world. But if your website can't convert people, you'll be spending money without actually generating any revenue. And I think... Um, CRO for that reason is quite a heavily undervalued topic. Um, I think it's partly because, you know, platforms like Shopify and stuff make it so easy to create a website in a specific template. Um, but there's a lot of other stuff that you can do that, that a lot of brands aren't. So yeah, what I'm about to do now is I'm just going to start the 20 minute timer. So as you can see, we are rolling. Um, so I wanted to jump into the first question. Now, this is probably going to differ from brand to brand and in specific circumstances will affect your answer. But if you could only give three tips to a brand who uh, has a conversion rate at the moment of one to 1.5%, what are the biggest three things that they can do to move the needle in terms of their conversion rate at the moment? Yeah. Uh, uh, I'll take that. I'll take that question. Yeah, so this is an interesting question. I've come across it uh, numerous times. And like you said, it differs with the business. And there is no blanket cover that um, can like have answers for this. So I'm going to, first of all, explain why that's the case and give an example. So we worked for, with a client another time and we did all the, you know, the... Um, procedures and e-commerce recommendations. And there was no lift in uh, the e-commerce commercial rate. Uh, we later did a survey because um, we, the, the client did not want to like engage in all the, the, the data process for CRO, the steps for CRO. We did a survey and that's when we actually realized that the challenge was with the user story that they told. So it doesn't matter how, how many changes they implemented, it wouldn't have really helped until they went through the process and we actually realized what we needed to do at the survey process. But I have three categories. I'm going to categorize them into three that we, we, uh, someone can work on. So this will work for some, uh, but we really encourage that people go through the entire CRO process. So one is trust. So you need to build trust with your audience. So you're looking at things like um, SSL certificates, the badges, high quality images, consistent branding across uh, all the pages and branding, branding colors. So 
users need to feel that I'm within the same same website across the website. They need to know about the return policies and the refund policies. If there are guarantees, they need to know that. So something that can build trust with the audience, including a way to contact you as the, the owner of the shop for support. And then the second thing is you deal with reviews and basically the community. And this is just not product reviews. It's also the shop reviews and things like testimonials. So that needs to be taken care of as well. And the third one is just basically improving the shopping experience. So this means that users are able to search and find for what they look for, search and find what they need to, to, to find. And they also, their checkout experience needs to be smooth such that they don't need to look for the main call to action buttons and the product descriptions and all that kind of stuff. So those three is what I would recommend. And it's a wide area of changes. Uh, things like above the fold and telling a better product story in the product description section. So those three are what I would recommend, but I still insist it's good to go through the whole CRO step, which is data, uh, an audit for the Google Analytics account, an audit for the website. So this helps you come up with ideas and heuristics and also where you need to look for data some more. And then we have uh, the, the, the data analysis portion, and then we have the A-B testing. So it's good to go through the entire process so that you find exactly where the problem is that's specific to your business. Awesome. Yeah, that's a really, really cohesive answer. There's a couple of things that I want to unpack in there. Um, so you mentioned, firstly, um, one of the things that a brand can do is actually create some sort of mechanism for the customer to contact the store owner or the brand owner or, or some support uh, mechanism. So have you seen a significant difference in conversion rates of brands that don't have, for example, a chatbot on the website where you can speak to an agent directly in a couple of minutes versus the ones that um, actually do have it? Yes, there's actually a significant difference because people don't, they don't like taking unnecessary risks. They just, they need to know what risk, if it's acceptable to them when they buy a product at your shop. So they need to find things like, is this the kind of product they really want besides the information they see on the website? They want to know about the refund policy. Some don't like to go through the whole document. They just want to go in quick, they quickly and ask uh, things like delivery timelines and all that kind of stuff. So clients, many clients are not really risk takers. So having a communication platform is really ideal, a way for them to reach you so that at least they can make quick decisions. Especially if your AOV is high and they have to invest a lot of money uh, or the delivery time is long or the product is complex. Um, I just talked to a guy today and they have a startup in the UK. They sell bikes for 4,000 uh, English pounds and um, you know, it's not an impulse buy for sure when you buy that kind of bike and they also have a chat on the website and uh, yeah, trust is important and being available to uh, to these kind of customers. Okay, awesome. And are there any tools that you'd recommend um, that people go to for this specific uh, function? Yeah, it, it depends on what you want to do because every stage of CRO, there is a tool involved. So for data collection, we are looking at um, 
just the basic tools, Google Analytics and Tag Manager. Tag Manager is good because it's comprehensive when you need to track uh, events-based uh, key performance indicators, things that are just beyond page views and all that kind of stuff. So then when you're looking at um, presentation of data, a tool like Data Studio is good. There are other ones that you can also use, but at least that covers most of the data presentation. When you're looking at uh, behavior analysis, we have uh, Hotjar, Crazy Egg, or Lucky Orange, and even user testing in case you need to have like um, users go through, real-time users go through your, your website and make a purchase and answer some of the questions, the technical questions that you give them just to see if your website has a good flow. So these are not the only tools. Again, it depends on the needs of the business because some other good data collection tools include uh, segment.io, Mixpanel, but then and even heap analytics. But this basically depends on the key performance indicators for the website and what goal um, the website needs to achieve that will define the data collection process. Mm -hmm. I would mention one more uh, tool, which is uh, usertesting.com. Uh, I'm sure many people know it, and uh, this is this is definitely more expensive. So don't start with this tool first. But <clears throat> basically, what you can do is um, they have a huge database of people around the world, and uh, you can uh, talk to them, to their team. Um, who is your ideal uh, buyer? Your who is who, what is your buyer persona? And then they will find similar people. Um, let's say you sell to 20, 30 years old male in the US and, and they own dogs or pets, let's say you sell pet products and they will uh, identify these people uh, in their database and uh, you can hire these people to answer your uh, questions. So you can, uh, let's say you can ask uh, 10 people to shoot uh, 15 minutes long videos and uh, you can tell them what to do on your website. Uh, for example, uh, try to find the product that you like and try to buy it. Uh, and then they go on the website, it's all recorded, uh, the screen as well and their face and what they do and they talk that, okay, I just landed on the website, I try to find a nice product now. I really like this yellow something. Uh, and then they click it and, and, and you know, so, Basically, you get a lot of information how people use the website uh, with these uh, with these people. I think 15 minute video is around. I, I think it's around 50 bucks or something. So it's not not uh, not cheap, but a lot of data, and you can personalize it, and um, it's just great. So usertesting.com, but I think it's better to start with the tools what uh, Anne mentioned before. Mm -hmm. And do these people on usertesting.com also give you feedback? Like, let's say, you know, there's a certain button that is putting them off or there's certain uh, items missing in the checkout process. Do they let you know that, look, this is what made me hesitant to purchase? And then you can go. Exactly. Exactly. So these people, they know that they are a part of an experiment and, uh, and why they are paid. So they tell you if uh, they don't find something, they find bugs and so on. So, yeah, you get real... Uh, time feedback from those people 
Wow. Okay. Awesome. And do you have a tool recommendation for specifically for the chatbot function to actually communicate with users in real time? Mm -hmm. Yeah, for the chatbot, there are so many, and I, I don't think there is a preference, I mean, a specific one. Um, mainly it's just based on client preferences. Um, but the, we, we really don't have like a specific one that we can say this is better than others. So most of, it, uh, of the ones that we have around, we can probably mention um, the, the, the requirements uh, for, for a good chatbot. So one needs to like have like an automated system just in case people are online, you can still leave a message and people can get back to you later. Secondly, it's good when it has like a help, help um, articles link so that in case you don't want to wait, let's say it's a weekend or after company hours and it's not um, a 24 hour kind of shop, the, the people can just go through the help articles to get more information as they wait for a response. So something that guides you, does not really completely leave you helpless until you wait for a response. So some are custom made, some are paid, uh, paid, uh, paid for, but um, I think the best way would be to choose a chat tool that has those functionalities. Yeah, and don't use Messenger chatbot for this. Uh, yeah, yeah. We also tried it on our website and it made more troubles than uh, good things. We really like Messenger chatbots. We use it with clients, but this is not a thing that you should do with Messenger because if you go to, and also I could see uh, stores. We went to the website of the store. I could see the Messenger uh, sign on the uh, at the bottom on the right side and uh, I clicked it and I had to accept some GDPR thing and all of that and you lost me already as a customer so um, yeah 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 don't use messenger for this also for me it's it seems very I, 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 I just don't trust it you know it doesn't make me feel good uh, when I chat with a company through messenger on their website um, yeah Okay, awesome. So I, I think one thing that's clear is that in order to implement some of most of these steps, to be honest, you need to have apps. Um, and one of the big issues that a lot of e-commerce merchants complain with with apps is some of them really affect your site load speed. Um, so kind of is there maybe a sweet spot of the number of apps or is there a process that you go through to make sure that the number of apps that you have on any given website isn't actually affecting the site speed. Um, I'll answer that in this way. So this this speed performance, it's a fact that the more apps you add to the website, uh, it there is a chance it will slow uh, down your site because the, the the scripts that we have to add some some apps don't optimize them, but there is a different approach you can take for platforms like. Shopify and all the apps that you can add are mostly optimized. So no need to worry so much about that. Then the other one is, a, is using, adding the apps through Tag Manager. 
So what Tag Manager does is it's a, it's a housing container that only loads like one script and then houses all the other scripts. So this should help at least not interfere with the page load speed of your website and at least helps you manage everything in one place. Because you might find that you need even like six apps to be able to like achieve the goals you need to and you need all of them. So what do you do? So the approach for using Tag Manager is good because at least that helps you have the apps and also doesn't slow down your website. Perfect. Yeah. yeah. Okay, awesome. So we've talked about a lot of kind of the, the bird's eye view of, of CRO and, and some of the implementation as well. But do you guys have a specific case study? You don't have to mention the brand name, obviously, for confidentiality reasons, but do you have a specific case study that stands out to you in terms of the biggest impact you were able to make to uh, a website's conversion rate? And what, what were the sort of steps that you took in that process? All right. So the brand, let me describe what it does. It deals with uh, things like branding, logos, uh, color separations, things like those ones, graphical stuff for printers. So they, they have a process or a funnel process. It's not a typical shopping funnel because it's not, you won't find the typical ad to cut and everything. It's a process where you go describe what you want. If there's a sample logo you have sketched, you upload it, and then you go through the whole process, uh, specifying what you need done for you. And then you select, uh, let's say a package or several services that you want. Uh, for, for this client, we, we were able to improve their conversion rate from around one point something to over 4% around 4.2%. And what we realized is we set up the whole e-commerce process, starting with data collection, because we needed to know at what points along the, the shopping experience, uh, people had a problem. And we realized that right from the word go from the homepage, there was a very high drop-off. And we, we, we needed to set up a survey beyond uh, the heat maps and video recordings just to find out exactly why are so many people dropping off at this point. And that's how our CRO journey started. So what we did for them is the survey revealed that people had a problem with understanding the prices and also using the system to upload the requests that they wanted. They also didn't know where to start right off the homepage. So we sorted a few things. So one of them was improving the landing pages to uh, have the call to actions clearer. And there was also a case where we told them the first uh, design is for free or the first request is for free so that they can get the feel and they can also be able to trust the quality of the services. So the other thing is that along the checkout funnel, we went ahead and improved it in a way that mobile users could benefit because they were a larger percentage of the users. So this helped reduce drop-offs along the shopping funnel. And we also added an extra payment platform. Before that, it was just card details. We added PayPal. Uh, we added PayPal as the second one. So the other things we did was have emails for abandoned checkouts. The good thing about this system is that you are required to enter your system, your, your email address at the very beginning of the journey, just the email address and then everything. So we have the customer data and where exactly they dropped off. So we would send them customized emails based on where they dropped off 
And then we added things like, re like reviews and testimonials. And then the, most, the other most important thing is that we realized that organic search was underperforming greatly because these are tool, uh, I, 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 I like that, um, I like organic search because some users who come through it are already seeking your solution. So it's not even a matter of convincing them the services you offer, they already know what you offer. So we um, set aside some funding to improve in the conversion rate optimization. So this was realized in a period of one to three months as we continuously made the changes on the website. Wow, okay, awesome. So yeah, just to kind of put that into context and how powerful that actually is going from a one to a 4%. If you're driving traffic with cold ads, you're effectively able to keep your ad spend the exact same, but generate up to four times more revenue just by plugging these leaks in your website. So, you know, a lot of people talk about scale. I want to spend more money. I want to spend more money. But, you know, when you, if you can keep, if you can get more out of your existing ad spend by doing these backend changes, and it's, it is kind of the, you know, the unsexy stuff that people don't want to look at and don't want to pay attention to that actually drives the drives the growth but once you're able to do that and you, you only really have to do it once you could set it up once and then then you can start to scale your ad spend and put yourself in so much of a better position just by implementing those you know simple simple changes uh, mm -hmm. and it, as you said just a couple of months to do and then the, the impact is so long lasting it's unreal yeah and i i, I also think that um you know, with ads, you always have to spend, spend, spend uh, every month. But with CRO, once the website converts well, of course, it can decrease, especially if you rebrand new products, many things. But I think it, it won't decrease much, you know. So if you once you hit 4%, then it's very hard to go back to 1% again. Yeah, something yeah. go wrong in, in that case if you go back down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. All right, awesome. Our timer just went off actually for the 20 minutes, but I just wanted to finish with one bonus question. Um, obviously we are living in the middle of a pandemic um, and kind of last year during that time, um, retail was completely wiped out in the sense of traditional brick and mortar. So mm -hmm. a lot of brands, uh, a lot of the good brands, so that should I say, use this as an opportunity to improve their user experience on their website. So let's say for example, a sunglasses uh, typically if you want to buy sunglasses, you might want to go into a store and try them on. But if you can't do that, the next best thing is a virtual try on on the website. So kind of what were some of the best and, and most noticeable things that you saw uh, brands that you work with and how did they adapt to uh, that sort of reduction in competition, but also increased responsibility um, in the sense that they need to convert users solely from their website now? Yeah, so one fundamental thing that they had to do is improve on their trust. And for instance, let me give an example with a product that is highly visual. So they like for one of the clients who worked with, they improved the images in that there were more quality and also samples of images with uh, where, where they featured the product in the actual use. This way they would see if it's sunglasses, how do they fit? How do they look? Like even screenshots and even as, uh, pictures of a 360 view of the product. So they try to make it um, easy, as easy as possible for the user to see that product and to imagine it 
without holding it in their hands. And beyond the trusts, what they did is have guarantees. They worked on things like uh, free shipping to help with the shopping or the shipping experience. Uh, for those who would not offer free shipping, they would have a target. So this is something like uh, spend $100 more to get uh, free shipping. And some of those things, they even um, included things like uh, guarantees and refund policies. Refund policies were made easily available and straightforward so that users could easily uh, access them even uh, at the checkout, during check the checkout process. So the key thing is trust and basically improving the shopping experience so that users do not have to struggle to find something that they need on the website. So those two things. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, thank you guys so much for, for coming on and giving me your time here. I mean, this has probably been the most powerful and impactful episode we've done so far. Um, and yeah, I, I'm, I'm sure the experience that your clients have is just insane with the level of attention to detail you guys pay to put to these sorts of things so yeah i just want to thank you guys uh, for coming on yeah thanks, thanks for, for having us awesome we'll definitely have another one maybe in six to 12 months time and talk about some newer things hopefully um okay cool so yeah that pretty much wraps it up guys um so whatever platform you're watching this on please like comment subscribe and follow the show for more impactful and you know advice an actionable advice that you can implement within your e-commerce business to actually grow and move the needle forward. Uh, so that rounds up another episode of the e-com hot seat. We'll see you guys next week on another episode.